welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, friends. Uh, my name's Micah. I uh, decided to come back from Spain, so um, here we are. Really glad, to, well, mostly glad to be back. Uh, had such a lovely time on the Camino. Um, we're going to begin this morning with a call to worship, and uh, before I read that, um, I recognize that when we gather, you know, I've said this before, but like everything is in the room. So our excitement and our joy and our um, elation as well as our maybe sadness or grief or lament, and then of course we, we, we don't worship in a vacuum, we live in a world, and that world is, as you know, um, tumultuous at times. So uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I sit and think, like, where do I turn? How do, like, how do I even learn about? So I want to read a prayer, uh, which is from a book by Walter Brueggemann called Prayers, from a, Prayers for a Privileged People. And um, before I do that, I'll just give you one resource. If you're interested at all in Israel, Gaza, learning more about an organization that I have found really, really helpful is Global Immersion. Uh, we made our way to Ireland on a peacemaking trip a couple years ago, and the work that they're doing is like right in the center of this um, conflict. And so if you're interested in that, um, just Google Global Immersion, and the work they're doing is fantastic. Uh, but this is a prayer called You Beyond Our Weary Selves, again from Walter Brueggemann. So uh, receive this as our call to worship this morning. You, God, Lord and Sovereign, you, God, lover and partner, you are a God of all our possibilities. You preside over all of our comings and goings, all of our wealth and our poverty, our sickness and our health, despair and hope, our living and our dying, and we are grateful. You are God of all of our impossibilities. You have presided over the emancipations and healings of our mothers and fathers. You have presided over the wondrous transformations in our own lives. You have and will preside over those parts of our lives that we imagine to be closed. And we are grateful. So be your true self, enacting the things impossible for us, that we might yet be the whole among the blind who see and the dead who are raised, that we may yet witness your will for peace, your vision for justice, your vetoing all our killing fields. At the outset of this day, we place our lives in your strong hands. Before the end of this day, do newness among us in the very places we are tired in fear, exhausted in guilt, and spent in anxiety. Make all things new, we pray, in the new-making name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and let's sing together as we begin? All right, all right, all right. If you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be fantastic. I, uh, I leave town for a couple weeks, and evidently I, I had a lot to say first hour, so we're going to get this train on the track sooner than later. My name is Micah. If we have not met, glad that you are here. I'm one of the pastors. Um, we'd love to know if you're new that you were with us uh, in the seat pockets in front of you there or, or online if you go to our website, awakenwest7th.com. You can click the I'm new button there. Fill that out. That will come to us. And uh, somebody from our team will reach out, thank you Luke, invite you to a beverage of your choice, and we can get to know you, you can get to know us a little bit. Um, those and any tithes or offerings that you may have brought this morning can go in the black boxes if you do fill them out here at the church, and uh, super grateful for both of those gifts. 
Um, Danny, our finance chair, in the next couple of weeks, I think in, in November, is going to be giving a little quarterly update. Q1 is over. How about that? Q1, Q1 that's like technical e econ language, you know, accountant kind of language. Versatile. So, uh, so that we want to give that update before the year of end. So a um, couple things we want to let you know about that are happening in the life of the church. Today, there is a sacred sites tour. Uh, there's only a few spots available for that. We have 40, and I think we have 37, at least as of first hour. So Jim Bear Jacobs is an indigenous leader, writer, activist um, in the Twin Cities series, leading that today. So uh, if you go online and, and it says register, this, there are spots still available. If it doesn't, you missed it, sorry. Um, we might do it again. Um, that, as well as an opportunity uh, next week, starting next week, they're not the same, but they are um, in the same maybe category of learning about indigenous uh, history and faith. Randy Woodley, if you're familiar with that name, he is an author, um, writer, former pastor, uh, lives on the Pacific Northwest uh, out in Oregon, and uh, this guy is like the real deal. We are very, very lucky to have him for four weeks uh, on Sunday nights over the next four weeks, he's going to be sharing and teaching and leading discussion. Uh, that is on Zoom, and so you are welcome to join us for those. Uh, and we're not going to be recording it, so um, if it is a priority and you want to make it a priority, then be there. And um, if not, then maybe next time. I feel like a dad right now. Like, if it's a priority, you got to be there. Sorry, we're not recording it. <laughs> uh, but Randy, is, is he will be, uh, I'm very, very excited that he's going to be with us. Um, Tomorrow, Monday, Mondays with Micah restarts, so if you're in St. Paul and want to join us for breakfast, uh, for the men of the church at Day by Day Cafe, 7 to 8.30, and then um, Trunk or Treat next weekend on the 29th, uh, I think we have about 25 or 30 folks signed up to host a trunk, uh, we could use more and would love to have more, uh, more blessings for the kiddos of the neighborhood, so if you're on the fence for that, please join us. Um, sign up, decorate your trunk, park it in the, in the parking lot, and we just give out candy and lots of fun um, for that day. So that's one to three next week after church. And then I have one more announcement that I would like to make that I'm very, very excited about, and that is, friends, we've been looking for a worship and arts director. We found one. A one Hallie Hansen. Hallie Hansen, everybody. Yeah. So very excited about that. Uh, Hallie is an incredibly talented um, young lady, and we're thrilled to have her here, not only for her talent, but also, um, you know, Jim, Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. Some of you maybe have read that, and he talks about getting the right people on the bus, and um, Hallie is of that ilk. We're very, very excited to have her a part of our church and our staff community. And then I'll also say, uh, I think one of our values, and it's important for us, that we hear from both male and female voices on a regular basis, and so to have... Um, have that, uh, again, is uh, we're really grateful for that. Um, so welcome, Hallie. We're excited to have you. I'm excited to have you. Um, so um, let's get this party started. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn there. It was MEA weekend last weekend, if you were not familiar. or not. My wife and family uh, went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We had uh, access to a little cabin. Access means everything. Ownership means nothing, friends. Ownership means nothing. Access means everything. Okay? I don't need to own a sailboat. I just need access to one. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't need to own a cabin. I just need access to one. So we went to a cabin on the Upper Peninsula, which gave us the added benefit of driving through rural Wisconsin. Yes. If you've ever done that before this time of year... You might know that uh, 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 at all the watering holes, all the local bars, welcome hunters. 
on the, on the doors, right? It's deer hunting season, you guys. It's deer hunting season. Isn't that great? <laughs> I love this church. <laughs> Bow hunting season is open. Rifle hunting season opens in a couple weeks. And while I don't own a firearm, uh, nor have I ever shot anything, uh, I have heard from people, because I do a lot of fishing, I spend a lot of time in this, this you know, genre, uh, that from my hunting friends, they say that if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. Have you ever heard this before? Aim small, miss small is another one. Does anyone know what movie that's in? Aim small. Thank you. Thank you. Aim small, miss small. I was like, I know it's in a movie, and I just couldn't. I was like, Hunger Games? No, it's not. Aim small, miss small. Point is this. We're in a series, and it's called Formational Targets. We went back and forth on the title of this series, you guys. I'm pretty much a pacifist, and, uh, you know, on the whole firearm issue, uh, Waken tends to probably lean a little more left than right. So we were like, I don't know if this is going to work with this church, you know, Formational Targets. We're aiming at that. But it works, because if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. So many of us are trying to put back together or attempting to build reconstruct a faith and a spiritual life that we can live in, right? We've inherited a home that we've sort of taken a lot of the furniture out of, if you will, as a metaphor, right? If faith in what we've inherited is our home, it's like, yeah, this is not going to work for us anymore. And for many of us, we just were kind of like, I don't know what to put back in this house. Are we going Scandinavian modern or mid-century or something else? I don't know. So this is our attempt at saying, if it's not that, then this, These are the six formational targets of Awaken. Um, These are six areas, if you've thought about well-being before, like for the human person, right? Spiritual, intellectual, or cognitive, emotional, relational, right? A well-being wheel. Take the the spiritual part of that and then create a whole new wheel. If we're going to make a well-being wheel for our spiritual lives, what's in it? And this is my attempt at saying, try this. This is our attempt at saying, how about these? I believe that if we focus on these, we're intentional about these six areas, that we will be moving down the path towards a a vibrant and alive spiritual life. So here they are. Liturgy, listening, learning, community, impact, and pilgrimage. Now, uh, like anything in life, Context matters. Language means nothing until it's in context. We always told our kids, like, around swearing, like, should you use a swear word or not? And I said, listen, words don't mean anything until they're in context. So your job is to discern the context in which you're in and if that word is appropriate in that context. So if you're with your grandma, it's a little smaller choice. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But what do these words even mean, right? What does liturgy mean? What do we mean when we say this? And so I've tried to give you a definition for each one of these words. So for those of you that are new, this is just a little catch-up for where we are. If you've been with us, this is a reminder of where we've been, okay? So the first week we started with liturgy. Liturgy is not just the order of the service and whether or not the Apostles' Creed or the, the Lord's Prayer or Eucharist is in it. It is that, but it's broader than that. And we want to say it is the practice of and commitment to the gathered worship of the church and the sacred rhythm of our life together. So this is a practice of, this is a commitment to us gathered together as the people of God. Doing something together we can't do alone. We gather to celebrate word and sacrament, right? I have been ordained to word and sacrament. As one of the pastors of the church, we want to help you gather around and celebrate these meaningful moments in our life. So, death, birth, marriage, scripture, Eucharist, right? Things that mark time for us. And also, 
the sacred rhythm of our life together, right? For ancient Israel, it was the, 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 the sacred assemblies of Leviticus 26. For us as Protestant, Western, you know, evangelicals or adjacent evangelical folks, we'd like to look at the church calendar, which begins in Advent, where we welcome Jesus into our midst, and we celebrate the light of God coming into the world in Epiphany, and it moves us into a season of preparation called Lent, where we wait and ready ourselves for the work of death, so that resurrection, right? At which point, the Spirit of God is given to the church for the living out of the, the, the mission of God in the world. That's the calendar, so our sacred rhythm of life together. That's what we mean when we say liturgy. Second, we talked about listening. This is the quiet internal work of the soul and heart to learn, so two things, to learn to hear, consider, and act on the sound of God's voice. Remember, we looked at Shema, this Hebrew word, Shema, O Israel. This is Deuteronomy 6. The Lord thy God is one, right? Shema is not just do you hear, but do you consider what's been said? Do you then act on what's been said? That is Shema. It's all of these things. So we, can we hear God's voice? Are we discerning it? And then are we acting on it for our own life to listen, right? The quiet internal work of learning to hear God's voice. But then also to learn to hear your own voice and to discern when it is telling you the truth or not, right? You, Genesis 1 and 2 would argue that you are not inherently like all the way through from your head to your toe evil and wicked and only, give, only false, Luther might agree with that, but I don't. <laughs> Genesis 3 is after 1 and 2. So there is a sense in which you, are, you bear the image of God, and there are times in your life when your voice actually needs to be listened to. It's part of the discernment process. It's part of the listening process. So we want to help create tools and resources and develop the ability to see and hear and, and discern, right? So this is the work of listening. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about community, the weekend of the retreat. And community... In light of God's relational essence, so we're going to start big. In light of who God is, Trinitarian being, right? Ontologically, a community of persons, Father, Son, Spirit. So in God is relationship, is community. In light of that and being created from that and for it, now we're not just talking about community with the VFW or your softball team or your baseball team. This is Christian community. So because of and by our faith, we enter this experience of being the people of God in the world, and we do so because we're not meant to be alone. We want to do this together, and so we want to be known and to know one another deeply, right? Not everybody. Some of you, if you're a Lego, you've only got like two or four little connectors. That's it. That's all you need, right? Some of you have got like eight, 10, 12. Great! To be known and to know, right? Community. So, these are the first three things we've talked about. Today, I want to talk about learning. Here's what I mean when I say learning. This is the definition I'm working with. A lifelong commitment to curiosity, growth, and an understanding of the lenses through which we have come to know ourselves, our neighbor, our world, and God. There it is. Uh, I want to begin, I want to sort of set this up uh, by looking at a passage from Paul. And I'll be totally honest with you, this is an idea in search of a text this morning. Sometimes you go to a church and they're like, we're biblical, we teach the Bible. And then they talk about like three principles for a happy marriage. At which point you're kind of like, 
Seems like you had an idea, you're looking for a text to support that idea. Can we just be honest about that? So I just want to be honest about the fact that we're not going to exegete a passage this morning. I have an idea about learning, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm pretty convinced that there are some scriptures that will support this idea, and you can be the judge of that, but I'm not going to try to pull one over on you. This is an idea in search of a text. The text is Ephesians 4, so if you are able, I would invite you to stand for the reading of that text. Paul in the book of Ephesians, writes this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. For what? Well, to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then... After we've learned, we're growing, we're maturing, we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind or social media post or teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ." From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in what? Orthodoxy. Right teaching. Nope. Love. As each part does its work. Pray with me. God, this morning as we gather in your presence, as your people called by your name, Jesus, it's my hope and prayer that like Paul, you would do in us a work of transformation so that we might be more and more like you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, empower us. Give us us what we don't have, the capacity to change our own hearts. Transform us, make us new by the renewing of our minds so that we might be good news for the world that we live in. We pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit, the church gathered said together, amen. You may be seated. Remember, uh, Paul is a church planter. He started all these little churches, right? He traveled the northern Mediterranean Greek-Roman world with this good news, euangelion, a Greek word, this story about Jesus, the resurrected Messiah. And when he did, he told anyone who would listen, and little folks of people would gather and begin communities, right? The way they called themselves. They would follow this Jesus and these teachings. And Paul is Ephesus, Galatians, uh, Colossians, Philippians, right? He's writing to these little churches that have gathered, and this is what he wants for them. He wants for them to grow and to mature, to become wise. This is what he hopes for. Why? So that they might be right in their thinking. So that they might have all their mental furniture arranged properly. No. So that they might be outposts of the kingdom, that they might be reflections of God's love in the world, okay? I, I want to share a few thoughts this morning from this definition that, we've, that, that I'm offering to you on learning, and I want to root it in, kind of sit it upon this prayer that Paul has for the church, because I think what Paul wants is for this group of people to be learning and growing and in their understanding of who God is, who they are, the world that they live in, what it looks like to, to love their neighbor, so on and so forth. So, uh, 
this, remember, this is an attempt to answer the question, like, what if I want a life, a spiritual life that's robust and thriving and alive and maturing? At Awaken, we're saying, focus on, be intentional about these six targets, these six practices. You could argue that there might be seven or that there should be eight. That's fine. I'm not interested in that. But I, I, do, I am committed to the idea that these six will at least start moving you down the track. They'll get you on the right path or they'll get you on a path that I believe leads to life. How about that? So, uh, first observation about this this, uh, definition of learning is a lifelong commitment led by curiosity. For a minute here, I want to focus on our second half of life folks in the room. Um, My buddy Steve, who was here last week, love him, so grateful for him, talked about uh, planting seeds that will grow and the shade under which you will likely never sit. So we talked about, like, are you committed? Can we think about ourselves and our lives and be committed to the idea that we're planting seeds that will grow into trees that will offer shade that we will likely never sit under? Do we believe in it that much that we would do that hard work? Never benefiting from the shade of the tree ourselves, but because we love and want good things for the future so much that we would do that work. Um, What I'm learning uh, about, or when I'm talking about learning at Awaken, the assumption that I begin with is that this is a lifelong activity that we don't get to opt out of because of our age. Uh, Nobody gets to sit on the bench or worse yet, sit in the stands and sort of watch it all happen, right? You don't, uh, if you want to have a faith in a spiritual life that's vibrant and not stagnant, it requires movement and forward momentum all the way to the end, right? You've seen like ponds that don't have any moving water coming in and out of them. It only takes time before they become what? Stagnant, right? They they don't smell very good. Uh, If you know anything about Jewish life, there's something called a mikvah where uh, a person would come and, and immerse themselves like a ceremonial washing before they would go to the temple. Many of the mikvahs in Israel actually had water coming in and water going out, and they called it living water. Learning is a lifelong commitment that nobody gets to opt out of, no matter your age. Now, it might not go at the same pace as you used to. That's okay. But movement and motion is the key, right? My wife says, motion is lotion, Micah. You should try yoga. Whatever. (laughs) And I say, I move enough up here. (laughs) Do I need to move any (laughs) more? Actually, one of the remarks about Steve last week, my friend, if you were here, like, he never moved. He stood in one place and gave a whole sermon. (laughs) How do you do that? I don't, even, I, I don't know, I don't know. She's so excited. Um, one of the things, listen, I've been around church my whole life. I grew up in the church. I was involved in youth group. I went to a Christian college. I was a youth pastor at 22. I've worked for no one other than the church my whole life. So I've been around a lot of old people in churches who have checked out, who are stuck in their ways, who just will not flex at all because they believe they've got it. Anybody, am I barking up the right tree here? Um, It's like they're in a waiting room. They like punch their ticket and now we wait. Don't change, God forbid, for the next act or whatever is to come. Heaven by and by. And one of the things that inspires me about Awaken, the more and more and more that it ages, is the number of second half of life people who get what I'm talking about here, that learning is a lifelong commitment that nobody gets to opt out of. 
that we all, like this is, we, we, we keep going, like be flexible, adaptable, learning, growing, moving, momentum, all the way to the end, outside of the babies being born here, of which there are many, amen, this is the largest growing demographic at Awaken, and I am so excited about it. There was a woman named Sylvia Bailey, one of our saints who we lost. We celebrated her, uh, her memory um, of about three years now, a little over a month ago. All the way to the end, she found Awaken in the last chapter. And she would come up to me after the gathering, and sometimes she'd like grab my face in her hands, and she'd be like, Micah, God is teaching me this. And she would tell me about the ways in which she felt the Spirit was moving her at 79. Dwight and Sandy, whose story you'll hear a little bit more about in the coming weeks, same thing. Last chapter. And coming here, flexible, adaptable, learning, growing, still at like 80 years old. To the people who consider themselves second half of lifers at Awaken, I am so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so inspired by your lives and the ways in which you remain open and flexible and adaptable and like listening to what the Spirit of God might be saying to you. Keep going. Thank you for your, 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 your modeling. Thank you for your, your leading us in this way. Like to the young families around you, you are an inspiration. And I just want to like fan the flame. I want to say, keep going. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. To the young families at Awaken, like if you want to find people that you want to look like later in life, you don't have to search very far at Awaken. And that's a gift. So cash it in. Seek it out. When we were first in college uh, and, and dating, it was Paul and Vicki Peterson. This crazy, weird couple that, like, took us into their home. They would invite all the Young Life leaders over. I wasn't a Young Life leader, but they're like, you like kids, you can come too. And we would go to their house, and they'd, like, like, like crazy, wacko, crazy people. You know, like, welcome, like, hugs and kisses, kisses. Yeah. And then they'd give you a knife and be like, you're cutting onions tonight. Station's over there. Or you're doing this. You're setting. Everybody had a job. These two people, we were compelled by them. And as we've thought about it, it was largely because they were still curious. They were still open. They were learning and growing. And we were like, we want to be like that. Now in our stage of life where we've got older kids, it's Becky and Rick Patton. Like, we can't get enough of this couple. Because they are the kinds of people we want to become. Flexible, open, inquisitive. And, and friends, I am convinced. I'm convinced that curiosity has to drive this bus. Like, you can't be that kind of person if you're not driven by curiosity. The definition of curiosity a mar marked by desire to investigate and learn, marked by inquisitive interest in others' concerns. For those of you who have little kids around here, do any of you have these ones where they're just like insatiably curious? I know it is exhausting right now, but it is so beautiful, and it's worth keeping, <laughs> worth fostering, worth like not tamping down. Curiosity says things like, tell me more about that. That person you disagree with, tell me more about that. Curiosity says, like, what led you to that place? Not, oh, they must be one of them. Right. How did you come to believe this or that? What did you find compelling about this? What are the voices or the people who've informed your posture, your thinking on this matter? Right? 
Curiosity begins sentences with, I wonder, instead of you are. Or what do you think about that? Or have you ever considered? And here's the kicker. This is my theory. I don't think you can be truly curious and judgmental at the same time. Which one would you rather be? If someone were to say, oh, so-and-so, they are... I don't think you can be truly curious and judgmental. That's my theory. I could be wrong. So, first, when we talk about learning at Awaken, it's a lifelong commitment led by curiosity. All the way to the end. Nobody gets to punch out on this one. We're working to the end together. Second, a lifelong commitment to curiosity, to growth and understanding. Listen again to what Paul says for the Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, bearing fruit in every good work. Notice what he says. I pray that you might be filled with understanding and wisdom, so as to walk. Said differently, Learning is not a destination. It's not about getting it right. Learning is not a destination that you reach or an acquisition that you attain. We make the way by walking. We're going to talk more about this when we talk about pilgrimage in a couple weeks. But for today, learning is not about getting the right answer. Learning is about expanding. Learning is about movement and growth. It's about wisdom and understanding, which is applied in real time as you make the way. At Awaken, when we open the scriptures, we're not looking for the right answer. I'm going to say that again. When we open the scriptures at Awaken, we're not in search of, we're not mining the text for the right answer. I don't think there is the right answer. There's an intention of the original author, which is important, but to, to come to the scriptures with that intention is to ask it to do something it never intends to do. This is a collection of, of, of interactions uh, with real people in real time with the divine, which tells us about what God is like. It bears witness to and testifies to the person of Jesus. And this book, I think, assumes that, like... Uh, that you're going to figure it out on the way, that that's what faith is. This book assumes that the Spirit of God is present among the people of God, giving, leading, guiding to truth. This book assumes that like, you're a part of a community of people who are helping you do that, that you're walking on the way, and so what we're after is not the right answer. We're after wisdom. We're after what gives life. See, th those two things are different. Th th when you say, like, oh, it's all... all and, and, and by the way, like, our educational systems haven't helped us in this, have they? Like, many of us grew up in a, in a school system where you sat down to take a test, and the first question was dot, 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 and what you were to offer was what? The right answer. And if you didn't get the right answer, you were marked wrong. Now, some schools have figured out that might not be the best way to teach. You know, I had a prof in college who was like, I'm not, there is no right answer to the question. I want to see you think. And I want to help you think better. Which was really hard for me because I didn't know what to do. Because all I'd ever been taught was find the right answer. And so if that's our educational system, many of our discipleship programs in our churches were built on that. Which say, like, if you were after the right answer. And friends, I just, 
I don't know if you're nervous right now. I keep saying this on record. (laughs) The point of learning in Scripture and in Christian community is not to get the right answer. It's to become mature and wise as we make the way by walking. That's called faith. It's not certainty. Certainty is an illusion that we've been told we can acquire, a destination we've been told we can arrive at, and then we're okay, then we're right, then we can, and then there are those who are wrong. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about learning at Awaken. This is a different project. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will become no less effective, that you will bear no less good fruit in the world for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom. But learning is about expanding. It's about growing. It's about wisdom and maturity as we make the way by walking. Which leads me to one final point, and that is we know everything through a lens. What's our, our definition again? A lifelong commitment to curiosity, growth, and understanding of the lenses through which we've come to know ourselves, our neighbor, the world, and God. Brian McLaren is an author who shaped uh, me in a lot of ways, a pastor, theologian, and what he said this, he said, there's no view from nowhere. Right? Anything you claim to know that you say is true is particular to your perspective and the lens through which you have seen the world, yourself, your neighbor, God, the Bible. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I was in seminary, and there was this great debate about like whether or not we should listen to feminist theologians. Because you got theology, and then you have these outside versions, perspectives, feminist theologian, liberation theologians, so on, you know, South American... Do you see what's happening right now? It wasn't until someone said, hey, what is the thing you call theology, actually? What's the thing that you call the norm by which everything else is? Well, that's white European male theology. Luther, Calvin, Barth, Bonhoeffer. Friends, being able to see and name the lenses through which you have experienced come to know the world, yourself, your neighbor, God, doesn't diminish your experience or or, um, challenge your experience. It actually only situates it more properly among the lenses, the perspectives that are in the world. When When we fall prey to thinking that we don't have lenses, we just do theology, we just read the Bible, we just... Right? Just do what the Bible says. When we fall prey to believing that we don't have lenses, we then come to believe that this, this thing that we call normal is the base that everything else is judged by, and we might even come to believe that the thing that we call normal, the lens through which we see the world, is better than the other lenses through which to see the world. That's how we get white supremacy. That this particular thing we call normal, that everything else is judged by, is actually a lens through which to see the world. So what I want to offer to you this morning when we talk about learning is it is so important for you to be able to name the lenses through which you have come to know yourself, your neighbor, the world, God. Because there are lenses. Let's take some time to name them. This is an all-play question. I'd like for us to help maybe throw out into the room 
What are, the, what are some of the lenses through which we have come to understand ourselves, our neighbor, our world, God, the Bible? Can we name some of them in the room? Consumerism, right? As American Western folks, consumerism is one of the lenses through which we see and interpret the world. Nationalism, okay? Our, our political, geopolitical location. Capitalism, privilege. Individualism, patriarchy. As a male, gender identity is a lens through which I interpret the world. Democracy, political systems. Democracy is not really in the Bible. And yet we think it's the only way to govern a people. It might be the best way. I'm not a politician or a political science major. But do you see what I'm saying? We never question it. We should. It's a lens through which we interpret the scriptures and ourselves. Any others? Finances, right? E economics. Sexuality. Colonialism. Yeah. Okay, this is fun. <laughs> so, how has your gender identity shaped your understanding of God? How has your racial identity shaped your understanding of God? How has your national identity shaped your understanding of God? How has your social economic position shaped your understanding of God? You can take any one of these like lenses and apply it to anything in your life. And this is actually a great thing to journal on. This is a great thing for a small group to think about, a life group as you discuss. You can change the subject. How has my gender identity shaped my understanding of myself, my neighbor, the Bible, politics, ethical responses. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like endless possibilities. <laughs> Part of what we mean when we say learning at Awaken is the powerful and profound moment where we recognize that my view is not a view from nowhere. It's a lens through which I interpret the world. It doesn't diminish your experience or your lens, but it situates it more properly so that you don't fall prey to the illusion that your lens is the norm or that it's better than some other lens. It might be. It might not be. I want to close by offering just a couple of examples at Awaken, right? At the end of this year, the hope is that you'll be able to look back and say, as it relates to these six categories, oh yeah, I, had, I engaged in this offering for learning at Awaken. So the Sacred Sites Tour today, that's an offering like in the heart of learning. The, the, the Learning Lab coming up, four weeks, right? In the heart of what we mean when we say learning. Forty Orchard Studies, when we come to Scripture in a new and hopefully fresh way. Book studies that we do, right? These are all areas that we think are opportunities to move down the path on learning. So what are you engaged in as a person of faith? If this is a lifelong commitment that we make, nobody gets to check out on it, how are you being challenged? How are you being invited? How are you engaging in this recognition of my, how I've come to understand the world and interpret the world? And then based on scripture and the spirit among us and our community and our social location, all these things, what is God inviting us to do and be? So, my friends, learning a lifelong commitment to curiosity, growth, and an understanding of the lenses through which we come to know ourselves, our neighbor, our world, and God. That is what I mean when I say learning. Let me offer a word of prayer, and then we'll move our way towards the table in Eucharist today.
God, this morning we gather, again, as people connected to, adjacent to, committed to, wondering about this person of Jesus. And it's that well in the center that we want to gather around because as a community, we believe that that well offers living water. That it invites us to become, to continue to move, to be transformed and changed by the power of your spirit into the kinds of people, Jesus, that you, well, died and resurrected from the dead for us to be. So we offer ourselves to that process in, insofar as we can in this next moment of silence. To my friends gathered this morning in St. Paul, it's good to be back. It's good to be with you. Uh, I hope you leave and receive this blessing. Um, I, I offer this most every Sunday, and I hope that it uh, is both comforting and like, um, like habit. Oh, it's that. But it never loses its meaning, right? This is when God says to Moses, this is what you're to say to the people. Like, put my name on the people. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church gathered together said, amen. Grace and peace, my friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.